Hey guys, this is not a regularly scheduled episode of the Bitcoin Echo Chamber. This is a public service announcement, uh, sort of a hashing out, if you will, of a conversation that I had with J.W. Weatherman just this morning about uh, some of the security concerns around the CASA node. Uh, this was just something that him and I thought was important to discuss in a little bit more detail and address some of the conversation surrounding uh, these security issues with the listeners, because I know a lot of the people out there have CASA nodes. I myself owned one at one point in time, uh, which I no longer do, and it wasn't related to this particular security issue is just really neither here nor there. We just wanted to talk about the security concerns that have been raised very recently and CASA's response to that. Um, so I'm going to turn it over to J.W. Weatherman and the conversation that him and I had about that. Hopefully you guys find this useful. We're not trying to sling any mud here. We just want to make sure that everybody is as informed as possible about some of the risks with the security of the CASA note. This episode of the Bitcoin Echo Chamber podcast is sponsored by WTFHappenedIn1971.com. The economics meme taking the world by storm where all of us are trying to find out the answer to what the heck happened in 1971. WTF 1971 also has a merch store now. You can find it at WTF-1971.creator-spring.com. I'll post a link to that down in the show notes if you want to check it out. Thanks for the support. All right, so so this CASA issue um, in some ways is uh, blown out of proportion and in some ways it is, uh, it's like way understated. Um, so what's going on right now is that uh, a few days ago, like two days ago or something, I noticed that CASA and their FAQ is saying they're doing something really stupid with clear text. Um, and so I tweeted at them, and instead of getting what I expected, which was, oh, yeah, it's not an issue, and some very logical thing, like we redirect after, you know, setup instructions or something, um, they've gone on this, like, total misinformation sort of campaign, including releasing a, a blog post, I think, that's going to be memorialized in Bitcoin history as, like, one of the most ridiculous examples of a, of a Bitcoin company response to a security issue. Um, so... What I thought I'd do is uh, is just kind of run through the two issues and make sure that they make sense to you, and and uh, maybe that'll help it make sense to some other people, um, and cut through the uh, the pretty pretty aggressive misinformation that's going on. Okay. So uh, okay, so there's two vulnerabilities. The first one um, is that they send traffic in clear text, and um, that is particularly bad because they send your seed words and your password um, over the local area network. And uh, this would be considered a critical security bug on like the Microsoft rating system or really any rating system I've ever seen. Um, and the reason for that is that Microsoft distinguishes, and most software companies, I use Microsoft only because uh, Brian Lockhart, who wrote the blog post, uh, worked there for way too long not to know this. Um, and insecurity at, at Microsoft. Um, the, the difference between a critical, which is the worst, and an important, which is still really, really bad, but not as bad, um, is whether user interaction is required. So if I send you a virus attachment and you have to open it in order to get infected, that's an important level issue. If I send you a virus attachment and you don't have to open it, that would be a critical. Or if I could sniff your password off the network, that would be a critical. Or um, if I could see your seed words across the network, that would be a, a critical because it's an elevation of privilege um, issue where I didn't have access to your Bitcoin and now I do. Um, or 
you know, I didn't have access to your admin account of your CASA node, and now I do. Um, and it doesn't require the user to do anything. And I think that this is helpful because a lot of people are like, well, as far as we know, you have to have already some malware on your home network or you have to uh, have physical access to the device. The other issue is a physical access to the device issue, um, which is the default password thing, which is also just equally as absurd. Um, and while that's true, we don't really know if um, uh, that's true. So for example, it, it's true that what we know about these two issues, there's no way to exploit it unless you have access to the, the local area network. Um, or unless you have physical access to the device. So that's where I think you know, some people might be uh, misunderstanding what I'm saying and thinking that I could, I could steal all your Bitcoin remotely. Definitely don't necessarily think that's true. However, the reason any software company is gonna treat this as a critical issue is we don't really know. We know that bad things happen in software all the time. We know we can't build perfect software. And we know that these are really nasty security issues in and of themselves. And so we wanna address those um, even though we don't know that they can be exploited remotely. Um, in this case, it's kind of a little bit worse even than like minimum bar for critical because any security professional is going to assume that your home network is compromised. If you have a network that is more secure than you know, your local area network at work, that's pretty impressive because there's professionals that are constantly trying to tear viruses off the local area network at any office. Um, and, uh, and if you ask anybody that manages you know, a corporate environment, uh, should I trust the local area network? Um, for example, should I have unencrypted traffic to the intranet, not the internet, but like, you know, there's a company HR website on the, uh, on the corporate network. Is it okay to have that unencrypted? If you were in security at the company and asked that question, you'd be fired. Like, it's just such a dumb question. There's no, no doubt about it. So it's it's really silly to say oh you know home user joe schmo you know has kids and other people that are you know using all the devices on the network and that will agree to pretty much any security prompt and blah 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 yeah assume that that's totally secure uh is, is silly but even if you did this would still be a critical security bug for any any software company um, the second issue is the default password issue and that is that they set a default password on your device they don't ask you to change your default password during setup, that's weird. And they don't even give you the option to change your default password during setup unless you open a support ticket. That's super, super weird. Um, it's, not, it's not normal to not even have the ability to secure your device. Um, and again, as far as we know, you have to plug in a keyboard in order to do that. But if I told you, hey, uh, Microsoft just released a bug, or you know, some hacker just, just announced that there's this bug out there, um, Anybody that walks up to your laptop can open it up and type in all ones or a well-known password and get access to it. You'd freak out, right? You wouldn't go, oh, well, you know, whatever. They need physical access to my laptop. You'd be like, no, this is a disaster. I expect that when I type a password in there, I'm doing it for a reason. Um, why do I have a, you know, why am I setting a, a strong password on my CASA if somebody can just walk up and, and plug in and use it? And again, it's not as bad as being able to hack everybody on the internet right now. But um, most people have their devices in situations at some point, you know, house cleaner, whatever, and they don't want people to be able to log in. That's why there is a password in the first place. So saying that this is not an issue at all is definitely wrong. Um, saying that I can steal everybody's Bitcoin because of these bugs 
also definitely wrong. So the truth is in between, but it's still very bad. Um, and to illustrate that, I think what Nodal did when they got word that this was existed, you know, this default password uh, issue existed, they, they are, this is a black and white example. So it's actually kind of a great case study in uh, how companies should respond to software security issues. Uh, Casa is doing one extreme, right? They're, they're Adobe uh, in the 90s and the early cypherpunk movement and trying to, you know, slander the person that's reporting real issues and all this stuff. On the other extreme, and, and not addressing it also and telling customers that everything's fine. I mean, it's, it's bonkers. On the other extreme, you have Nodal that had a much smaller issue. Their issue was there was a default password, which is dumb, but they did have in their setup instructions a very explicit warning that you must change your default password. But they're good guys, and so when they saw this discussion happening with Casa, uh, they realized, oh, you know what? We actually, this is dumb. We should not ship the devices with default passwords, and we're gonna ship a security hotfix so that next time you log into your nodal, you're forced to change your password. Um, and we're going to uh, remove the default password on any future devices we ship, right? And this is them just volunteering that, right? They're, they're, they, nobody, nobody had to call them out and say, hey, you're doing something stupid here, uh, the way that I had to do with, uh, with CASA. They, as soon as they knew about it or really thought about it, they, they proactively started addressing it. Um, and so it's not, as if, uh, it's not as if it's not pretty obvious that this is worthwhile. Um, the only way that you would think it's not obvious is if you read this blog post that is pretty well crafted to cause confusion uh, over this default password thing. And I'll, I'll, I'll read you, I think, the most, uh, most extreme example of a lie in this, in this doc. Um, concern number two, I heard that my CASA node has a default password. Does that mean others can get into it? So, Colin, does that mean others can get into it? If I... Uh, if they have local access to the device, yes. Yes, exactly. So their response is no, this is also false. And then they go on to explain uh, that, you know, SSH is disabled by default, blah, blah, blah. Yes, that's true. But nobody ever said that you could get to it remotely, right? So this is a typical thing that liars do is you say, hey, you know, I sprained my ankle. And then they say, well, no, uh, you don't even have, you know, you don't even have bone sticking out. It's like, well, no, that's, you're taking my, my statement, you're making it extreme, right? You're straw manning, right? Um, so what they should have said is, yes, this is an issue, but you don't have to freak out because um, somebody has to have physical access to it. So here's what you do. Here's the default password. Every bad guy knows it now, so we might as well post it on the blog. Um, and just log in and change it. That's all they had to do in the blog post, and I would have nothing to say other than can you also you know, maybe send out an email and and maybe consider doing the, the reasonable things that Nodal's doing, which is removing the default password and uh, maybe pushing a hotfix that forces people to change, right? It's, it's not rocket science. Uh, but instead of doing that, they're lying about it and they're trying to make it you know, seem like I'm saying things that I'm not saying. So, um, and as they continue to escalate that, it just motivates you know, me more to be more and more clear on what's going on because I don't want people thinking that I'm trying to you know, cause a bunch of disinformation and uh, you know, hurt this company or whatever. When I first tweeted that, I was pretty sure they were gonna either 
respond directly and say it's not an issue or DM me and say, yeah, actually, you know, this is an issue that we're working on and open a dialogue. But instead, they're just like, this is not a problem. You know, JW is full of garbage. So uh, as long as they stay this line, I'm just going to get more and more motivated, right? I mean, I'll have proof of concept, uh, you know, scripts that you can run if, uh, if that's what it takes, because I'm not going to be the one that ends up with the damaged reputation out of this. So, um, so that's, that's one issue is the default password. That's how Nodal dealt with it. Um, and I'm only, you know, I don't know the Nodal guys. Uh, I've never used the device. I've never talked to them before this happened, right? So it's not like we're buddies. Um, and I wouldn't recommend a Nodal. I've been really clear that I don't recommend Bitcoin-specific hardware. I think the supply chain risk is too high. Um, but that being said, they provide a very nice contrast here. So the other issue is this clear text traffic. And what they're saying there is that it's not an issue because you can trust your local area network. Now, that's insane. You can't trust your local area network. We've already talked about that. Um, but uh, but Nodal uh, never had this issue in the first place because from the very beginning, they shipped with encrypted HTTPS traffic um, because it's very obvious that that's the right thing to do. But they did notice because CASA used this excuse, right? So uh, the, the, the play here is really interesting. So CASA says, uh, yes, uh, we use unencrypted traffic, but it's the right thing to do because we can't use certificates to verify the identity on the other side. That's taking two different vulnerabilities and conflating them into one and saying there's no fix for it. First of all, if you can't build an airplane that flies securely, you just don't build an airplane, right? You don't get to say, well, we can't make it strong and light, so we're just going to ship it light. That, that's not how this works. Um, but Nodal has shipped software that does basically this that you just uses https it has a scary warning um, you have to agree to it and there is a risk that somebody could be impersonating your nodal because you do have to trust something that's not authenticated with the certificate authority um, but even then you have to trust the certificate authority and we've had issues with that so it's not like this is really super dumb Anytime you SSH to remotely manage a device, you're supposed to go get the certificate and like out of band, move it to the client and then connect, but nobody does. They get a prompt that says, are you sure that you want to trust this guy, uh, that you're, you're actually talking to the device that you think you're talking to? And they say yes, and then they log in. And if it looks like their environment, you know, it's possible somebody's specifically targeting them and is impersonating the CASA and has all the UI that looks the same and all that but the chances are much slimmer um, that you know, somebody's done that. Uh, but it's possible, right? Um, so CASA's excuse for doing something really, really dumb, Nodal looked at that and said, you know what, you're right. We do use HTTPS and that's head and shoulders above this nonsense that you guys are doing, but we still do have that other issue where somebody could potentially impersonate a Nodal. So they're looking at now shipping a piece of paper in the box that has the um, has the, the basically numbers that you can match when you connect remotely to your nodal for the first time to make sure that you're actually talking to your nodal. And I think that's great, right? Like it might as well go above and beyond. It's, that's more than is industry standard, right? Um, industry standard would be you connect to it, you just agree to the scary warning and all your traffic's encrypted. Um, way below industry standard is you just don't encrypt the traffic at all and you somehow use you know user experience um, although the user experience of having your bitcoin stolen um, or knowing that all of your traffic is unencrypted uh, if you know what you're doing is far worse um, so you know there, there's a good contrast here um, 
And so it is kind of weird to see all of these, um, all of these indicators of some pretty obvious truth uh, be uh, not quite understood by the broader Bitcoin community. But, you know, we've been through a lot with all the scam coins. I think a lot of people are just tired um, that know that this is dumb. And I think a lot of people that don't, you know, they're, they're new to the space, you know, they haven't been in software security very long. And if you're in Bitcoin, you know, welcome to software security. You're, you're in the fight now. Um, so, you know, that's one of the reasons that I think this is a worthwhile effort is it's pretty educational. Yeah. Okay. So I have a, a couple points or maybe questions that you could clear up for me about yeah. everything you just said. So, um, I know when you, when we're talking about the default admin password now, I, yeah. I'm, I'm assuming in my head that this is different than the password that I use when I log in through the web yes. portal. Um, That's correct to access my device remotely, right? I'm not logging, we're talking about actually plugging something into the device physically and accessing like the Raspberry Pi portion of the device, not the client side web portal. I think that's where a lot of people are getting confused with this because they're like, oh, I set up a password as soon as I got my Casa. Uh, Ah, What you actually did was set up a password to access your device remotely through the web portal, which is contained in your intranet. Yes, exactly. No, that's really helpful. And that actually might explain some of the frustration I've had uh, trying to get this out. Twitter is a great medium for, you know, uh, like one tweet, but when it's a tweet thread and it's multiple tweet threads and back and forth, it gets pretty confusing. So thanks for saying that, actually. That makes me a lot more sympathetic to some of the people that I thought were just blatantly trolling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So to clarify, yes, there are two different passwords on your CASA. Um, but both of them would allow you to steal Bitcoin if you had either. Um, one is uh, the, uh, we'll call it the console password. Um, and that, as far as we know, um, and I, 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 I say as far as we know, not because I'm trying to, uh, to be sneaky and, and try to create fear, but uh, software is scary, right? <laughs> Security software is scary. And we really... I have a hard time shipping stuff that doesn't have holes in it and security bugs. I have a really hard time. I've been doing this for a long time. And when I do ship software, I call my buddies and I have them beat on it. And I still have a hard time. So if I did something like this, I would be terrified of my own product. And I would get really serious about it. Because if you can make these sort of errors um, and you know it goes out the door, it goes into production, it stays in production for a long time, it shouldn't give you a whole lot of confidence that you haven't made another mistake. Um, because it is, it's very hard. I, I mean, it's, it's, it's very easy to, uh, to screw something up in this space. Uh, look at the inflation bug, right? Like the Bitcoin inflation bug. I mean, Bitcoin has been in the wild for 10 years. It supports billions of dollars. Um, the only value proposition is that there's only going to be 21 million coins. And I don't know how many months ago it was, but I don't think it's been a year. Somebody found a way to create coins out of thin air. That's the sort of world that we're working in. Um, and so if, uh, if you have a bug, don't assume that it's the only thing in play. Um, but that said, as far as we know, the only way that this matters is if you have physical access to the device. And I think that's probably true. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to uh, imply that I, I think there's a high likelihood that that particular thing can be used with another attack. Um, the other password is the one that you access through the browser. And I don't know exactly what the setup flow looks like, but I do believe that they require that you set a password um, during setup. I don't even think there is a default for that. Yes, but that's the problem correct. there is that it's sent clear text over the network. So mm-hmm. if you've ever had a virus on your network, um, 
the obvious thing that a virus is going to want to do is they're going to want to listen to all the network traffic on the network, send it back home, maybe do some analysis locally, and then let people dig through it for credit card numbers and seed words and stuff like that. So it's, uh, or passwords, obviously, right? So it's right. not, um, it's not, it's not good uh, to, to be in that situation. Yeah. And so my other thought there is, um, so it seems like they're, they're, their building blocks here uh, is that they're starting with the assumption that every one of their users has a secure home network. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm not a security researcher. I'm not an expert on these things by any means, but uh, a little bit of Googling and I could quickly figure out how to sniff packages on my network. Uh, and, and more so than that, I happen to know, you know, you, you need to consider what CASA's target audience is here, right? CASA's target audience uh, based on the services that they provide uh, is the less technically literate, right? Because if you're technically literate, you're going to be setting up a node through the command line. You're not going to be uh, using a proprietary uh, hardware that runs proprietary software to manage right. your money, right? You're, you're going to do it yourself. Um, yep. So if we're starting with the assumption that the users of these devices already have the technical literacy to secure their home network, uh, and then we're going to make security trade-offs for the sake of usability with that assumption, uh, then we're probably already playing from behind because how many people, I mean, I, you know, what would be interesting for me to do, you know, if CASA was being transparent about this issue was to do a survey to their customers and find out how many of their customers are using the default uh, admin username password on their home router. Because all I need to do is look around uh, all the Wi-Fi that I can get in my uh, home neighborhood and try to just guess hack people's routers. And if any of them have admin or password as their home password, I can log into their router and I can start sniffing all the packages that go across their network. And that's illegal, but I could do it um, and, and potentially maybe not ever get caught doing it. Um, that, that's a problem, right? They yeah, should at absolutely. least make these issues known to their customers rather than starting with the baseline that their home network is already secure. Because I guarantee people that uh, are afraid of command line aren't thinking about these things. Yep. Yeah. Also, I mean, one of the things that uh, that I also want to clarify is even though CASA is publicly saying that there's no issue here, I have copies of internal communication where uh, the C-level folks, right, like the, the four folks that everybody knows, um, I won't say which one, are talking about this as a very serious issue and that they're very pissed off. So um, if it gets to the point where they're calling me out directly and saying that I'm a liar, that there's no, you know, that that there's no internal communication where they're saying that this is a big problem, um, I'll consider publishing that. I'd, I'd rather not because I like to protect sources. And um, honestly, I don't want it to be about that, right? I don't want the focus to be on, you know, CASA and their weird behavior in response to the security bug. I want it to be about those specific issues. And I want everybody that's a CASA user to do two things, right? Decide if they are comfortable with this situation, which is unusual, right? And be informed. That's it. Um, but if you are setting a password to get into a device, you're not expecting that anybody can get into that device without that password. You're not thinking, well, if they have local access, then they can plug in a keyboard and do what they want. Um, if that was the case, then I wouldn't, there would be nothing to talk about, right? Um, if people are like, oh yeah, my, my home network is probably hacked, which is true, um, 
And uh, I'm totally okay with my seed words going out on it because I have a really tiny amount of uh, money that I'm, that's in play here. Like the, it would be a non-issue, but I don't think anybody that's being even slightly objective thinks that that's what people think they're buying when they get a CASA. And, you know, yes, lightning is new. Yes, it's experimental. But like you said, they are targeting people that have a lot of Bitcoin. That's their target market. And the way they're marketing the CASA is that you can earn Bitcoin uh, by supporting the Lightning Network. And they're saying you can earn maybe up to five bucks a month. You have to have a lot of Bitcoin in play on the Lightning Network to earn anything near five bucks a month in fees. And these people, like you said, they have a lot of Bitcoin and they're not technically savvy. So I would not feel like a decent human being if I didn't at least, you know, post on Twitter and uh, mock this a bit and try to get the word out. But look, at the end of the day, I don't really care if you lose your Bitcoin. I just care that as a security professional, uh, just like if I was a aerospace engineer, if I knew a wing was broken, I would feel like the blood was on my hands if I didn't talk about it. But you know, once I get the word out and you are probably informed that you're going to lose your seed words and you decide either I'm okay losing that amount of Bitcoin on my CASA or I'm going to make sure I don't have very much on my CASA. I'm going to be, take real serious, you know, that lightning is reckless or whatever. Then, then there's nothing to talk about. But, um, but clearly most CASA users are not going to expect those things to be true. Um, most people don't want to have their seed words, even if it's a few hundred bucks, they don't want to have their seed words in a situation where they could be compromised. And uh, that's clearly the case. Yeah. Uh, you know, the one last thought that I have about this, um, and, and I just feel the need to bring this up because I've seen a lot of it. Um, you know, it's okay to like CASA. It's okay to like the problem, uh, to like their efforts at the problems that they're trying to solve. It's okay to say, Hey, you know, I'm a big fan of CASA and all the products that they're making. Um, but it's a totally different thing to to cheerlead whatever decisions they make without taking a step back and thinking uh, from a contrarian perspective, especially when it comes to Bitcoin. Uh, th that's a very foolish route to take. Um, it, you know, it, it, you can think Casa is the greatest company in the world, but that doesn't mean that they can't make bad security decisions or bad design decisions. And it's intellectually dishonest for you to pretend like they will always do the correct thing just because you like them as a company or just because you like the people behind it. Uh, you should attack everything, particularly when it comes to Bitcoin and securing your funds. You should place contrarian thinking over whatever your personal feelings might be for a particular company because everybody makes mistakes. Everybody is human. Uh, and it, it's very, very dishonest to pretend like this company will always do the right thing and that they can never make a mistake. And whatever they did was obviously the best choice at the time. And anybody who doubts that is just a hater. Yep, totally. So as I was saying, I don't, I don't, uh, like, it's no secret that I don't think, um, like, I, I wasn't a fan of Jameson Lop anymore after he promoted Grin. I don't think it's a good idea to use a company to hold one of your keys. I don't think it's a good idea to have Bitcoin-specific hardware. So it's like, it's no secret that I've been critical of CASA uh, on multiple levels. Um, but at the end of the day, I don't, like, I don't want this conversation to be about, oh, these guys are such idiots. Yes, they did lie in their blog post, right? But more important, like who cares? Like this is some small company at some small startup. They, they were building some thing that was failing in the marketplace. They pivoted to do something in Bitcoin. And maybe that's why there's some tech debt here. I, I don't know. Uh, they raised a little bit of money. Uh, they're spending it 
pretty fast based on, you know, based on the people that they're hiring, as far as I can tell. So the chances that these guys are here in two years, in my mind, is like very slim. It's, it's slim even when it's my startups and I think they're going to work, right? I never, even if I'm like, I'm willing to work on something for half a decade, I never give myself more than a one in 10 chance of survival. Um, so it, who cares, right? Who cares about this little company? So what's the real, like, what's the educational value of this? Um, the main one is that when you have security sensitive code, it has to be open source. If CASA was open source and they pushed out some code and everybody could see that they were using HTTPS and sending passwords in the clear and that they had a default password set, right? It would be in the code. Um, then, uh, then it would have been fixed, right? And somebody would have come along and said, whoa, hey, that's crazy. I haven't seen that in a couple of decades. No, nah, man, don't do that. Do it like this. And that would have been the end of the issue. So uh, we've learned this lesson really the hard way uh, over the last 20 years in internet security and software security. You don't use algorithms that are security sensitive unless they're open source. You don't use encryption. You don't use uh, you know anything that's highly sensitive. And that's why, as far as I know, Casa is the only closed source. Um, maybe there's something else out there, but like the companies that I respect, you know, the Lightning Labs, the um, the Asyncs, the Blockstreams. Um, all those guys that uh, that are building really good stuff, it's all open source. Everybody can go in and find these flaws. Uh, it doesn't have to be, you know, somebody looking for how they do multi-sig and just stumbling across something on their fact. Um, and other people are empowered to fix it, right? So there wouldn't even be a conflict here if this was open source, because I would just file an issue. It would be in the repo. There would be discussion about it. And I guarantee you, if CASA didn't want to fix the issue, somebody would fork it and fix it for them. And then we'd all be free, you know, to upgrade to, uh, to that version. Uh, if for some reason they really, really, uh, wanted to, you know, keep a default password or something. So the, the actionable lesson from all this isn't, you know, these guys are jerks. Although, you know, now that they're trying to, to slander me and say there's not an issue, uh, and, uh, there's been some, you know, a lot of backroom nonsense, uh, I'm, less a fan of them than I was, but who cares, right? What, what matters is don't trust closed source software with your Bitcoins, even, uh, you know, even if it's only a few hundred bucks. That few hundred bucks, we all believe that few hundred bucks is going to be enough to pay for college someday uh, if we're screwing around with the Lightning Network. So you know, use open source software and uh, you'll be way better off.